0: The Daily 202 is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and The Washington Post Brand Studio. Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, February 4th. In today's news, the Patriots win a grinding Super Bowl. President Trump's advisors say the State of the Union won't be all about immigration. And the EU tries to bypass U.S. sanctions on Iran. But first, the big idea. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam called an unscheduled senior staff meeting late Sunday night as the Democrat considered resigning after two days of defiance amid a controversy over a racist photo in his medical school yearbook. People familiar with the meeting said the governor has not reached a decision. The group included senior staffers of color. Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax, the Democrat who would replace Northam if he resigns, was not there. Calling the Sunday night meeting was a clear signal of Northam's effort to weigh support within his own administration as he evaluates his options. Although he pledged on Saturday to stand his ground, he also said he would reconsider if he thought he could no longer be effective. A day later, sources say that resignation is an active consideration. The meeting was emotional. Beforehand, Northam spent much of the day in seclusion at his family home on the eastern shore as confidants delivered conflicting advice about whether he should step aside or continue fighting to clear his name. Some of his strongest allies in Virginia's Democratic Party took their calls for resignation to the national airwaves, arguing on the Sunday shows that the discovery of a racist photo from his 1984 medical school yearbook made him unable to continue to lead the state. Even within the circle of his staunchest defenders, there was debate about whether he should step down. At least one senior staffer and one member of the cabinet have reached out to private firms about job possibilities, according to someone who was approached by the two. One of those urging Northam to stay and fight for his honor is First Lady Pam Northam. Some supporters worked Sunday to track down evidence about the yearbook photo that they thought could prove Northam was not in the image, which showed two figures, one in blackface and the other in Ku Klux Klan garb, each holding a can of beer. The uncertainty over what Northam would do next left Richmond in limbo. No Virginia governor has failed to complete his term since the Civil War. The Post's Greg Schneider, Laura Vizella, and Jenna Portnoy report that Northam is personally liked by Republicans and Democrats, and he's compiled a strong list of accomplishments during his first year in office. But sentiment around the legislature was almost universal, that he must step down. Northam initially apologized Friday night after the racist image surfaced on the conservative website Big League Politics, but he reversed himself Saturday during a nationally televised news conference, insisting that he was not in the picture. During that news conference, he also disclosed another incident in which he wore blackface to imitate Michael Jackson at a dance contest in 1984 when he was in his mid-twenties and an army officer. Many of his friends and allies called on him to step down after watching that news conference, including both of Virginia's Democratic Senators, Tim Kaine and Mark Warner. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the New England Patriots defeated the Los Angeles Rams 13-3 to win their sixth Super Bowl title in Atlanta last night, tying the Pittsburgh Steelers for the franchise record. New England was short on all-around brilliance, The customary near-perfection of quarterback Tom Brady was missing. But the Patriots dug in and put their true grit and uncommon resourcefulness on display. They demonstrated their unmatched ability to do whatever is needed and to be just good enough to prevail in these situations. All of that translated into yet another Lombardi trophy as they outlasted the young Rams in a far-from-elegant game. The Patriots have now won six Super Bowl triumphs in nine appearances, under Brady as quarterback and Bill Belichick as coach. They're playing against themselves and against history at this point, having long ago cemented their place as the most prosperous and lasting dynasty of the modern NFL. Number two. Tuesday night's State of the Union comes at a tumultuous point in the Trump presidency, with another potential government shutdown looming and Nancy Pelosi now sitting behind him. Trump is as unchecked and isolated as ever, Inside the White House, aides describe a chaotic, free willing atmosphere reminiscent of the early weeks of the Trump presidency. Power has consolidated around Trump's son-in-law Jared Kushner, a senior advisor who's functioning as the de facto White House chief of staff at this point. With counterweights like ousted chief of staff John Kelly gone, some advisors say the West Wing has the feel of the 26th floor of Trump Tower, where an unrestrained Trump had absolute control over his family business and was free to follow his impulses. Someone inside the White House leaked the president's private schedules to Axios on Sunday, and it turns out that 60% of his time over the past three months has been marked executive time. That's a euphemism for no structure at all. Often it means the president sitting around watching cable news and calling up old friends. Although the fight for a border wall has been a chief focus of Trump's for the past two months, the president's advisors say that his address to the country tomorrow night will not be immigration-centric. Rather, it will set a governing agenda for the year ahead. For instance, Trump plans to talk about infrastructure and prescription drug pricing, two issues with broad bipartisan appeal. The president also plans to talk about foreign affairs and highlight his administration's recent moves in Venezuela to force President Nicolás Maduro from power, as well as his ongoing trade negotiations with China and his planned summit later this month with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. Meanwhile, conservative leaders are urging Trump to weave in heavy language on abortion. Number three. Since Trump announced in May that he was pulling the United States out of the Iran nuclear deal, European governments have sought to keep the agreement on track by keeping their companies engaged in Iranian trade. Last week, the Europeans unveiled their most dramatic steps to date, creating a trading system that could be used to allow their firms to skirt U.S. restrictions. But the European effort remains mild compared with the zeal with which the United States has been pressing the continent's firms to get out. To be a European company with links to Iran in this age of American sanctions can mean dealing with challenges that every day verge on the existential. Suppliers cut off from their shipments with little warning. Phone lines disconnected. Even having the elevators repaired can be an ordeal because service contracts get canceled under pressure. It's all related to the Trump administration's extraordinary campaign to choke off European commerce with the Islamic Republic. In the struggle to determine whether the nuclear deal lives or dies, The U.S. has been willing to cross boundaries that Europe has thus far been reluctant to push. Now, that's not been lost on authorities in Tehran, where pressure is growing to abandon the deal in the face of American attempts to undermine it. That could mean a nuclear Iran. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, February 4th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Homan. I'll talk to you tomorrow.